You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 53 for Monday the 6th of March 2017. After gaining a New Zealand certificate in science, today's guest, Wendy Scott, worked in a variety of different laboratories in New Zealand and Australia in the fields of salt, meat, dairy and wine. While living in Adelaide, she spotted a course on novel writing offered by WEA. She signed up immediately and made a commitment there and then that she would write a fantasy novel. When I interviewed Wendy for the podcast, I said to her that she'd started working life as a chemist. So how did she transition into actually becoming an author? I was um, living in Australia at the time, and I was working at Wolf Blast Wineries, which is a, a technical officer in the, in the lab which was um, great fun, especially as next door was like the wine testing lab and we got to be their um, testing subjects, <laughs> which is um, just brilliant. But while I was there, um, there's a, a place called the WEA and that runs courses and they had um, an advertisement for how to write a novel um, and it was like a six-week course on weekends. And I thought, well, I love reading. Um, and I thought I was actually interested in the mechanics of how you write a novel. I thought, I'll go along. It'll be something interesting to do. Well, 20 minutes into it, I was absolutely just, I'm going to write a novel. I was just like, I found my thing. This is me. Um, as a child, I used to do bits of poetry and, and I used to make little books and things. But uh, So it's sort of always been there, but I suppose it reawakened. And uh, once I started doing it, I just knew um, this is my passion. This is me. So, yeah. Um, Lots of fun. The, the, the funny thing about that is, though, you would think that chemistry used a completely different part of the brain that writing did. You know, chemistry, well, I suppose chemistry can be creative too, can't it? Oh, absolutely. But I suppose when I was at school, my best subjects were actually history and English. I sort of fell into science um, by, um, by mistake, if you like. Um, it wasn't actually um, my passion um, earlier on. Um, I, do, I do like, um, you know, playing with potions <laughs> <laughs> and I do like you know I remember I got a chemistry set when I was a, when I was um, a child um, when I was at primary school and because they, they had they sold them and they had vials of all of these colored chemicals and and I was just remember just looking at it thinking oh wow that just looks so exciting what happens if I mix them all up together and uh, so I sort of I suppose I'm interested in lots of different things but uh, yeah history and um, English were, were sort of always um, things I really love to do um, and, uh, yeah, and it was, I sort of went back to it, I suppose. As adults, um, real life and the need to earn some cash often overtakes our ambitions. So you said that you'd, you know, you'd written, you'd made books and things when you were younger. Did you continue to read and, and consume books while you were a chemist? Always. I've, I've always read. Um, um, when I was a child, um, I used to live in Invercargill, which is right at the bottom of the South Island. And I think I read just about every book they had in the in the public library there um, we used to go and you know on a weekly visit and, and get you know you know as many books as we possibly could get out to take home and I've sort of always continued to do that um, I'm a voracious reader um, and I read all sorts of things I don't just read um, the genres I write I like to um, 
because I also like to write different genres as well, and I'm always sort of thinking, oh, maybe I'll write um, when I write, you know, something else one day, you know. And uh, but I love that um, extending what you read, right? And reading also factual things. I love the research side. You know, um, I've got um, a library at home um, with bookshelves full of reference books. That I just love looking up the um, facts that I used in, in my world building, if you like. It'll start with an idea, and I'll think, oh. What did the ancient Romans used to do? And, you know, and I, I just love all that. Now, I think I've heard a little bit about the um, the WEA, the, the South Australia Writers' Centre. Well, what does that do? How does it support authors? We don't, I don't think we have anything like that in the UK. Oh, the South Australia's Writers' Centre is absolutely brilliant. They've got offices that are, like, right in the city mall. Um, you go up the stairs, and they've got a library in there of, of reference books you can borrow. Um, on writing, they've got desks and um, Wi-Fi, and um, you know, so you can actually go in there and you know do do some work. <laughs> but they've also, besides that, they've got mentors, and um, they've also people donate um, donate their books, so you can actually you know go in there and read um, Australian books, and, and just have, and they have lots of um, meetings where you can actually uh, meet the other writers, especially the ones that are. Um, um, being successful and, and you can learn from them. So, yeah, I was I was very sad when I had to leave Australia um, to come back to New Zealand because I then moved to the west coast of the South Island and pretty much I'm writing in isolation um, over here. There's no real writing groups or anything where I live. I actually belong to groups that live about 300 k's away wow. um, in Nelson and I um, and I and they've sort of adopted me and um, I travel up there um, when I can um, and. So I've, so I've got that. And I've also got my online groups, um, which is great because that's a global um, community because it's, you know, it's very easy to become isolated if you're writing. Yes. <laughs> and you really need, you really need that um, input um, from other writers because um, I don't think you ever stop learning when you're writing. I don't think you ever get to the stage where you think, I've learned everything I possibly can, I'm done. I think you need to always keep thinking, how can I improve? How can I be better? You know, um, there's always each book should be better than the last one. I don't think you, you know, you need to don't settle, keep learning, keep learning from others. When you wrote, wrote your first book, you wanted to write a fantasy novel. Why, why a fantasy novel? Because I know you've you've spread your wings quite a lot since you started writing. Why, why did you Why did you go to fantasy first? Uh, when I was at the How to Write a Novel, we actually had an exercise where we wrote down sort of like the last ten books we'd read and, and then to categorise them into genres. And the, most of the last ten books I've read had been fantasy. And fantasy was my was my was my you know, go to, I suppose, at that stage. So I thought, well, um, you know, I'll write I'll write that. And also the fact it gave me the chance to um, one of my other passions is I've always loved ancient Egyptian things. Um, anything. I've, co- I've always collected books and ornaments and everything else. And I thought, well, I'd just love to to uh, world build um, sort of reminiscent of that civilization because it sort of combines a couple of different passions all together. With fantasy, what what do we actually mean by fantasy? Because when I think of fantasy, I think of I don't know, is it ho- sort of Hobbit, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, that sort of thing? <laughs> uh, not really. Um, that, of course, that's that's part of it. That's that's sort of like your Middle Earth, your medieval sort of wor- worlds. Um, fantasy is pretty much. Um, for myself, I tend to take um, base it on um, an ancient culture, um, and this, like I said, the Windflower series is very much Egyptian based. But there's also you'll see 
influences of um, Roman and Sparta and the sort of mixed in. Um, the Tiger House, I wanted an Asian theme, and that's a real mixture. Um, and once again, it was great to grab all these different concepts um, and then put your own twist on them. And that's with fantasy. You've got that ability to, as, as wide as your imagination is, you can bring anything in. You know, you, you have to make these worlds um, work. You can create different races um, that go beyond um, the um, familiar ones. So when you sat down to write that first novel, is it Theracian? Is that how you say it? Theracian. Theracian. Oh, I bound to get it wrong, wasn't yes. I? <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like obviously based on like Colosseum, Theracian, Theracian, Thera for the iron. So there's your chemist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even I can remember that from chemistry. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so how, when you sat down to write that, how, how easy was the process? Given that you were you know, a chemist or had been a chemist at the time, to then go and do something completely different that used a different part of your brain, how easy was it as an adult to do that? Um, oh, well, I loved it. Um, but I also went on and did um, heaps and heaps of writing courses. Um, through the WA, I probably did dozens, everything from, you know, how to write a beginning, how to middles, ends, you know, um, hero's journey um honestly i did dozens of courses every writing course i could possibly do i tried to get my um work on my skill set if you like while i was writing the novel i was also studying how to write and i also did a lot of correspondence courses so for me it was a matter of finding um there's no right or way to write a novel you sort of have to find your own way what works for you and i was very much into um I'm a bit of a planner, so I was um, sort of did an overarch using um, Aristotle's incline. I, I went to index cards where I plotted out um, different scenes. Having said I plot them out, um, it's always things will always change. It will always be um, flexible. Um, the story and the characters sometimes take you in a bit of a different direction than you think. But I've got a roadmap, and once I've got that roadmap, um, it sort of frees me up to. Um, you know, just create to go with it. Um, I'm very much writing, um, I write forward, I try not to look back, I, I try to think this doesn't matter how bad this draft is, it doesn't matter if I've got a character named A, B, C, D in it, it doesn't matter if I have to come back and fill something in later, I just keep going forward and I just write sort of notes as I go along um, that I have to come back and sort that out or I have to research a particular part. And so I sort of push myself so that I can actually finish the first draft. And I may end up doing, um, I think probably for Pharisee, and probably went through probably about 20 drafts. Yeah. But um, at least if you've got a, a whole rough outline, you, then, you, can then, um, you can then polish it and tweak it and, and fix, fix all the things and switch all the timelines around. Um, but, yeah, it's a matter of actually getting it finished to start with so that you can then um, craft it. Having written that, first draft then what i mean obviously you said about 20 drafts for the first book now now you're more established and you've got more books written what does that kind of editing proofing getting ready for publication process look like for you what, what do you do well once i've got it to the stage where i think i've got it as good as i can get it um you know and i then send it off to i usually get it a like a full structural edit done and that's, um, I'm lucky to have found um, some people that particularly good editors that you can work with. Um, so it's not just checking the spelling or the grammar. They actually challenge um, how the story's put together. They, they challenge um, my character's decisions. 
um, they pull me up if they think I've um, emotionally deprived them somewhere by not extending a scene enough or um, taking the emotion as far as it can go. And sometimes they, you know, and that means sometimes whole 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 chapters disappear because they just sort of say, you know, this needs to be rewritten. Um, you have to sort of really set your ego aside. If you want a good edit, it should be like boot camp. You should have to fight for every part of that story, how you've put it together, why it needs to be that way, and also be strong enough to know when some things have to stay, maybe tweaked um, because it's integral to the story or or the next part of the story. Um, after the uh, first structural edit, um, usually it takes quite a bit of rewriting um, to really fine hone it once again when I think I've got it as good as it gets it goes back to the editors for um, sort of another round and then when we're both happy with it um, then it goes on to um, like the beta reading and the proofreading um, and, the, and the last thing that's ever done is um, sort of the, the spelling grammar um, final check um, for my children's stories I also um, have some illustrations um, and I can't draw myself um, so mm. I um, find some talented um, talented illustrators to do that and getting them sorted but also having to find out um, working out what illustration you want where and how that's going to fit into the book um, you know this needs to sit in a particular scene or which parts to emphasize um, um, I get um, formatting done of course um, to make sure it looks um, as start with I sort of did a bit of formatting myself but but now I've sort of learned to I concentrate on the things that I'm good at and I just farm out the rest of those services. So I like to get them professionally formatted. Um, I have a, um, a printer here in New Zealand um, and sometimes I go by them um, to get things formatted into an e-book and a print book. But I also have a lot of services I use online. Um, one in particular, a formatter I just love to work with and um, and he does sort of all my online version so I'm very lucky I found some really good people to work with um, and they also tend to be very speedy too um, you know you put something out there and within three days it's come back um, and that's just brilliant to not waiting around for weeks and weeks. The way you've described it there Wendy is you're in for quite a lot of money before we even get a book out now some people that's going to be a bit of a leap of faith presumably it's worth it though to get a good product out there. Oh absolutely um you have to invest. Um, I treat it like a business. I mean, it's my passion, but I also treat it like a business. Um, and, um, yes, it does cost a lot. Um, I mean, there's cheap ways you can do things, but sometimes cheap is not always best. Um, you know, you don't want to have a cover um, that looks um, homemade and amateurish, so you need to um, make sure that you have covers that, that do stand out and, and look good. They need to look good not just on the ebook screen or as a thumbnail, but they need to look good if it's a physical book um, on a shelf that people sort of like, wow, that looks great, and don't think, oh, that's handmade. <laughs> uh, editors and, and things like that, they are worth their weight in gold, and yes, a lot of people balk at that, but if, but if you do not find and pay for a decent editor, um, you know, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um, sometimes we're just a bit too close to our own work and, and we cannot see... Um, repetition or um, things that aren't logical um, or just that. Um, they just never felt to amaze me how much polish um, they can put on a story. Um, it really is a team effort. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't begrudge um, any of the money I spend, um, and I, I just always remember that thrill um, when I actually get a physical copy of the book in my hands, and it's all, you know, and it's done and dusted, and it's just, it never gets old. I mean, when the box arrives or when I go and pick them up, I'm just like, you know, wow, you know, this is... Um, you know, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you do need yes, it does cost money, and you do need to spend money. Um, you know, I mean, and that's just the and you know, it is if you want to be a, a full time writer, um, then you need to treat it like a business and, and do all the steps. You know, and of course, there's all the tax stuff. It's tied up there as well. You know, you collect all the receipts and. After all that sort of fun stuff once a year with the tax department. <laughs> yes, it all has to be taken care of, that's right. Yes. Now, interesting, I was talking to uh, another uh, New Zealand author uh, only in the past week. Now, she, she was amazing because the way she was doing things is she had this massive team all over the world and she was outsourcing everything. But talking to you, you sound like you're going, uh, well, I say more local, but you are using a lot more local services. I, is that important to you? Do you do outsourcing around the world as well as part of what you do most most of my outsourcing um would be would be global but um i i do um print um started to print my children's books um through copy press and nelson who we have sort of um a sort of partnership arrangement um and that's really good because they have um distribution um to schools libraries um and um, bookshops and things like that so it works to get my um presence going as well as my um, online international presence um, you know and it's also easier for me to um, to um, get boxes of books um, from New Zealand rather than getting them shipped from overseas. Now looking at the genres that you write in it does actually look a little bit like a chemical concoction uh, because you're <laughs> you're writing in fantasy you're writing for children and you're writing romance. Now, those are not necessarily easy bedfellows. I mean, for instance, romance and children don't really, wouldn't naturally go together. So I'm assuming you do things like you're separating um, your writing names and things like that to keep them distinct in some way? Absolutely. Um, I have different pen names. Um, I use just variations of my own name. Um, so I use Wendy Scott for fantasy. Um, and, I, and I always put a disclaimer that those books are for mature readers, um, um, usually on the on the description page or on the book somewhere, so that people don't mix them up. Whereas my W. J. Scott, uh, sort of children's young adult, and and they are family friendly, and um, and I use Wendy Jane with a Y um, as um, anything sort of with a bit of touch of romance, um, you know. And I and I'll probably use W. Wendy Jane J. Scott um, for for another genre because I am sort of toying with um, with uh, you know I do sort of like um, sort of end of the world type books, you know, and so I've got a few things that are simmering in my brain, but I do need to finish quite a few other books um, in my other series first before I would launch into another genre. Um, I have a lot of people ask me when the next in the series are coming up, and so <laughs> I promise them I will not start writing another genre until I have finished the series that I already have. <laughs> so, so why do you write in so many genres then? Is it is it just is it the variety? Is it just what you like to read? Because that is quite an eclectic mix, isn't it? It, it is. Um, it sort of started out, I suppose, originally, um, and the fact that I've got so many different series as well on the go, which is, you know, probably not the best idea, but it's just the way it worked out. Because when I first started writing, there were there really wasn't, um, you know, Amazon and ebooks or e publishing or e- or even indie publishing. Pretty much, it was a it was either you're a um, traditional or you were um, 
you know, vanity press and they were just pretty much pretty awful. Mm. <laughs> so so I was um, I was sort of trying to go down the traditional publishing route. So um, and so I sort of started writing the first books of series and sort of and then sending them out. And so because it it's sort of such a long time process before you hear back from anyone or anything else. Um, that's why I sort of had so many first books of different things. And I branched into children because um, I have a son and I sort of thought, oh, it would be nice if I had something that he could read because um, obviously he can't read my adult fantasy books. Um, and so I um, wrote, and I, actually the first children's book I actually wrote, I haven't released yet. Um, I'm releasing it later this year. It's been, um, uh, it's had a sort of a, it's, Probably my, my probably going to be my favourite book, and, and it's probably been ten years in the making. Mm. <laughs> but uh, um, that's the one I actually wrote for him, and and he sort of um, loves it because um, he's sort of been the only person that's had a copy, um, and you know, oh, sort of like a rough draft of a copy. Um, and so um, yeah, so Tales is one I wrote for my son, and then when, once I sort of started getting into that, I thought I'm actually really enjoying um, writing books that. Um, I suppose, are family-friendly because um, I do get quite gruesome um, and violent in the fantasy side. And it's actually nice to um, write books where you have to, you can't, you know, you, you sort of have to curb those instances and write in a, in a different sort of way and still have action and adventure and everything else. And, yeah, so I, I sort of love writing. I, I love writing both, I discovered. And, uh, yeah, and then on we went. <laughs> Now, um, it, it's interesting there that you mentioned that you um, did make some moves towards a traditional publishing career. Yet I think you do describe yourself predominantly as an, as an indie author. How, how did you get on with the traditional industry? What happened there? Oh, mainly because I was in New Zealand. I really, I really couldn't get any traction, um, even to the stage where, um, you know, um, it would be, you know, over a year to even get a reply. I've even had um, replies three years later, um, and, and back in that day too, it was you had to um, print off, you know, three three chapters worth and post it, um, and it was pretty much a logistic nightmare. And you're just pretty much sending things off into a black hole, and you were lucky if you ever received anything back. Um, and to me, that was very demoralising. Um, and and in the end, I actually saw a um, a, a workshop um, CD of. Um, from Smashwords, actually, and some authors talking about um, e-publishing and everything else. Um, that was a few years ago now, and I thought, wow, um, there's a whole new world out there I didn't even realise, and I thought, I think I'm going to give that a go. And that's when I started um, switch to um, switch my energies to um, learning all I could about um, self-publishing. Because with your children's book, you did say that you aim to get those in libraries and bookshops. So we've kind of got a little bit of a hybrid going on here. You, you clearly aspire to get that that positioning on the shelves, on you know, in a traditional format. Yes, yes, um, and there's a there's sort of um, different um, routes now. You can get your books into um, into libraries and schools um, um, in New Zealand. Um, I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, I'm just sort of working towards that at the moment. Um, you know, they don't particularly care whether a book is a, um, an indie published or a traditional published. Um, the fact that um, a book's won awards um, sort of opens the door a little bit more. Let's talk about those awards then, because on your website you do have details of the awards that you've won. Just talk me through your strategy with competitions and, and what that's yielded for you. 
Uh, the first one I entered was um, the Wishing Shelf Book Awards in the UK. And um, what I particularly like about this award, I mean, there's no great big cash prize or anything like that, but you're judged on the quality of your writing and you get feedback from the actual readers of your genre. Um, and in my case, I sent a children's book in, um, Hieroglyph, and it was read by um, about eight different groups of children in the UK um, and, and my target in the 9 to 12-year-old age group. Um, and, and and to win the gold medal um, in that category um, just gave me validation that I was, um, you know, that I was, it was appropriate and the kids loved it and um, you know you can't get sort of better than that and I actually got um, their feedback written feedback of what they'd said and how they scored it um, and you know believe me you can't get any more honest than children mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to actually have um, to, to have um, them, for them to have loved it um, yeah was was absolutely fantastic and uh, and the same book went to on to win um, a silver medal for the reader's favorite awards which is, once again, it's also books that are judged on um, the quality. Um, some competitions are pretty much popularity contests where people just vote and, and whether they've even read the book or not, you wouldn't know, whereas these ones are actually about saying that if you've won an award, that, that it's a good book. Um, well, I'm pleased you mentioned that right. because I, I've interviewed Edward Treyer, who runs the uh, Wishing Shelf Awards. He's on episode yep. 32 of the podcast, and, and I've, I've entered them this year and I entered them last year. Uh, haven't had your success, I'm afraid, to report. So I, I, you know, I can confirm that they're pretty tough awards. But also, I really like the way the judging is done. As you say, you, you have a real life audience. You know, your <laughs> people who would normally read your books are giving you the feedback on them, and, and that can be pretty brutal as well, can't it? I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and but you have to, if you have to put yourself out there, um, you know, any anything you publish. Um, you know, there are some people that will, might love it, some people might hate it, but you don't want it to be because it's um, badly put together or it's full of editing errors. You know, if someone dislikes something because they don't like the subject matter or the storyline, that's completely different to, um, you know, um, someone not liking it, you know, because there's, like, there's a whole, especially on the star system, the one to five, um, you want to be um, up on the fours and fives as much as you can and, those readers and that feedback they can give you is invaluable um, for actually thinking, oh, you know, I may have some strengths I need to work on um, within my writing. If, if two or three people are picking out the same thing, um, obviously um, there's something something missing. Looking at your blog, it looks like you actually went along to the awards for the readers' favourites. Is that right? Did you go and pick up your um, award? I did. I did. I went to Miami in November. It was absolutely fantastic. Wow. Um, yeah, well, I thought um, it was very, very last. Well, I didn't have much time. I sort of got, I sort of knew I'd won in, um, I think, September, and the awards were in November, and you sort of had to let them know sort of within a few weeks whether you're going or not. Um, and I sort of thought, oh, I'd, I'd love to go. It's probably not, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can go, but I'd love to go. And I have a sister in Canada, and I rang her up and said, if I went to Miami, would you, would you meet me and, you know, meet me there? And, uh and within 24 hours, um, she um, she um, contacted me back and she'd already booked her tickets. So um, that was it. I was going. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, I've, I'm trying to remember. I'm sure I've gone in for readers' favourite too because don't they um, they provide reviews, I think, for you and you get a little badge for your book. Is that, is that readers' favourite? 
It's Rita's favourite, and you'll only get a um, you'll get a badge um, if you get a four or five star rating from them, and then and then those books can then go into be go towards the awards. I think I got a four or five star rating, but I don't think I got anything in the awards, if I remember correctly. I, I, I to be honest with you, I forget what I've got what I've got in for and, <laughs> and, and what the results were. I've had a couple of um, what, what are they called? Um, you know, honourable mentions, and I think I got a silver in something this year. So, h- how do you find competitions? Do you find they sort of bring any benefits for you, other, other than having a wonderful time in Miami, by the looks of it? <laughs> uh, yes, they do. It, it gives you that it, it look wonderful on your covers. Um, you know, um, putting the putting the badges on um, but it also gives people the um, you know readers when they're looking through it gives that validation that you know you actually get taken um, as a serious writer um, and you know that your book um, is worthy of um, having a look at and reading um, I, I think it's invaluable um, and if you're if you're too scared to enter your book um, I would be thinking you need to think about why would that be you know you know, you need to make sure your writing's as good as it can be, and and to be judged by others, you need to put it out there. I mean, having said that, there's all sorts of competitions out there. I mean, I've, I've only entered those two, um, or maybe three. Um, I, I don't sort of go in for everything um, because, um, like I said, some of them aren't all equal, and some of them are judged by one person. And you know, there may be a lot of good books that went through but don't actually get a mention, probably, you know, like your The Grid um, series, which I really enjoy, by the way. Have you read it? <laughs> yes, I've read books one and two. Oh, um, thank about, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> so so some of those competitions, yeah, um, great books can get missed um, because it's on one person's opinion, um, which is why I like the ones that are, which are more, um, you know, it's based, if, if the books get, um, are a quality, they get a mark. And what I like about them too is that it's not like, um, they don't always issue. If there's no gold, they don't issue a gold. Um, you know, they'll, they'll issue a silver or a bronze based on your points. So they're quite. Yeah, it's not like the one that just got the most wins. And you alluded earlier to one of my bugbears, actually, which is um, contests that are beauty contests. You know, where where <laughs> it's just you know how how many likes can I get on Facebook yeah, or something yeah. like that and I, yeah. I won't I won't enter those on principle in actual fact because as you say they're just a beauty contest. That's all they are. Oh absolutely you know I see it all the time. People are on Facebook can you go and you know can you go and vote for my book and I thought well I'd never vote for something I hadn't read mm. <laughs> you know or you know and and was hundred percent behind um, that I thought it was worthy. So yeah no I don't like those ones at all. Good. We, we concur on that. That's good to hear then. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to, uh, we've, we've, we've touched on the children of the fantasy. I want to talk to you about the, the romance. Now, now I need to say this quietly. Are we are we racy romance or are we romantic romance here? Well, I haven't got anything racy yet. Um, um, no, the, it, it's sort of, um, I got adopted by the Nelson Romance writers because I do have romantic elements um, in my fantasy stories. Um and, and, and like I said, they, um, they're a wonderful um, support writing group. Um, we've put an anthology out, um, and I've got um, a couple of um, – I've actually got one, one story for each pen name in there, actually. Oh. <laughs> I've, got, I've got an excerpt out of Phariseum. I've got an, um, an excerpt, oh, a, companion, a companion scene out of Tales, and, I've, and then I wrote as Wendy Jane. I wrote a, a bit of a parable on um, Adam and Eve which started out as a writing exercise we had, and that's probably a little bit racy. Um, you know, it certainly wouldn't be something I'd be reading to um, children. 
And, and what do we mean by um, romance? Because I think it's quite broad, isn't it? And I, I don't really know. I'm a bloke. Why would I? You know, I what is the core of romance? Is it, is it just that there is a relationship between two people, presumably, in, in there? Oh, look, oh, look it's, it's, it's huge. Um, you, you can break it up until you've got sweet romances, um, you know, right to your erotic. Um, there's really, is, I mean, there's cowboy romances, there are hundreds of genres in the romance category. I don't know if I can really say particularly that I've found, um, you know, mine's probably going to more going to be along the lines of sort of fantasy fantasy romance. But, uh, you know, but as of yet, I haven't actually um, released a full a full romance novel. I've just still got bits and pieces. So, so I'm not sure where I'm quite going to evolve there. But it's in the melting pot, and it was interesting. I, th- thank you for reading the, the Grid series, but presumably then that that's playing to your love of end of the world dystopian fiction, which you were telling me earlier. You think of writing yourself? Yes, yes. I've got I've got, um, I've got notebooks of um, you know scattered all over my <laughs> all over my desk with with ideas for all sorts of different series and stories and that. So you know, I mean, I've got honestly probably about 30 different storylines um, in different books and things that, that are that are sitting there like, and it's going to be like, which one's next? Um, and there are some some sort of end of the world ones are in there. There's some romance ones in there. It depends which one comes to that. <laughs> what happens is when I've sort of decided when I'm writing something new, I'll have a look at all those different books and think, right, well, which one's calling to me the most, you know? And it's the one I get excited about the most is the one I then pick and then I'll, I'll go there. Like I said, I've got to finish um, finish up the other books and the other series that I've currently got going before I venture into anything new. People have, people have been waiting long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I get lots of emails. When's the next one coming out? When's the next one coming out? And yeah, I need to, I'm going to have a very big, very big writing year this year, and focus on all those series I've currently got. That, that, that's a nice thing to have, though, isn't it? Because I, I tend to write my series fast. So when I did The Grid, I, I just got on with it and did you know, one, the next one, the next one, and then stop and move on to the next. I, and I, I seem to have found a pattern with writing in trilogies for some reason. I've, I've desperately got to break that pattern because it, it takes a while you know, to get a lot of them out there. But I tend to release them as a trilogy, um, you know, back to back. I haven't written one and left it yet. But you, you sound like then that you, you're you've got plates spinning then a lot of plates spinning and, and you have to keep them all I going. Have. I have. And, uh, and it also, um, I like to, I like to really think about the stories too, like, um, especially the epic ones, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have a broad outline of, of where we're going, but sometimes you need to, I need to get it like it's reading like a movie in my head. And then, and then I know I'm ready to go. I do a lot of walks on the beaches. Um, and, 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 and I just mull things over. Um, and, and when the story gets to the stage where I, the scenes are just running one after another, I think, I think, yeah, um, you know, it's good to go. It's ready for me to actually put it down and to, you know, start typing it out. And do you view things cinematically? When I, I always picture things on a, on a big screen, I always picture them as the movie in my head. You just alluded to that. Are you doing the same thing? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, when I've got it to that stage where I'm when I'm seeing it like a movie in my head, um, then I'm ready to write it. If, if I haven't sort of got it so it's like that, um, um, it's very I find it very difficult to um, it's, it's sort of painful to write if I'm trying to force it. I need to have it already already there, and then I'm just sort of catching up with my thoughts, if you like, by the time I write it down. It's already 
it's already there. It's already fleshed out. I'm seeing it. Action's there. The, you know, even the dialogue. You know, I wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> these these conversations or the next bit will will be. You know, um, you know, it'll be. You know, and it's okay. It's that that needs to come now. You know, I can see that now. You know, it, 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 sometimes, sometimes, sorry, sometimes how you've you know, you think you've got it um, where it's going and sometimes it completely changes. And what I love is the way the self, subconscious works mm-hmm. is, um, you know, it sometimes it changes, but then it all clicks into these other things you put in there that it's just like it was all meant to be. And you just think, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> I totally agree with that. I've just written a trilogy and then, I, you know, about, uh, what is it? I must have been near, near the end. And then all of a sudden you just see how everything comes together. And, and I hadn't planned it that way, but you, you, you're, you're right about your subconscious. I do most of my, my best ideas come in the shower, but you, you say you walk on the beach, but I think that you do need to let your subconscious churn things a lot. And it often sees the links that way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it's yeah, and it's just, and it's really funny when people people sometimes point things out to me, or you know, uh, you get a review or something, and someone will say, oh, you know, it was really cool how this and this came together and everything else, or they or they put a, a, a they see a layer in it, and and sometimes I think, wow, I didn't even realise I had that in there, you know, you know that that layer was there that someone else could see, and and when they sort of put it, bring it out there, you think. Wow, you know that that's actually true. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, it is funny. How, um, I want to know what a writing day looks like for you because you told me that you write your ideas in, in notepads or pads, but then you've also told me that you type the book. So, are you using software? How how are you actually do, doing this process? Oh, I, um, everything I've done to date so far has just been like a, a, a plain word document. But Santa gave me Shrivener for Christmas. Oh, lucky so. you! <laughs> So I'm about to launch on a new adventure <laughs> where I'm going to uh, – I'm not. I'm going to just, as I do new stuff, I will um, I will do it through Shrivna. So I'm quite excited by that because that is sort of like my, my – um, sort of my handwritten cards and notebooks I will be, you know, going on. I used to have to um, – sometimes I write freehand, um, especially when I was doing inserts and that. Sometimes I found if I, if I you know, just wrote freehand, I could do it. But now I think I'm just so used to – typing on the computer that I pretty much do everything, um, you know, um, on the screen. And, and I'm, I'm really comfortable with that now. Mm, it's a nice way to compose. With, with Scrivener, you're going to change once again, actually, if you've not used it before. Um, it is a thing of great beauty for writers. Now, you know, like everything new, it comes with a little bit of pain in that you're going to have to learn all the little tricks and the things that are hidden in there. But it is a beautiful tool. Um, to write with so enjoy that journey it will, oh, I will. I will. <laughs> it'll, it'll come with some minor headaches you know like everything does when you learn something new but it's way better than word I mean you know when you when you get to grips with it you I'm sure you'll love it when it's a great tool oh, I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to it and you must have heard people talk about it too because a lot of writers rave about Scrivener don't they oh yes I've, I've come highly recommended by um, a lady who's um sometimes um, does a bit of web designing for me um, and she's very creative and she's like an editor of magazines and oh, she's got her finger in all sorts of literary pies um, and she's been banging on to me for years. Wendy, get Shrivener, get Shrivener. You know, you need to, you know, jump on. You need to get away from all your bits of paper everywhere. 
<laughs> so I find it's a centre. Centre must be listening. So that's great. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it, it is lovely. So I'd be interested to know how you get on with that. But I'm sure there's no turning back. I don't think once you started with it. Um, I want to know what marketing looks like for you too, then, because you've got um, it's a, it's a really interesting proposition. This because you're writing under three pen names. You're writing under three genres, uh, and in many respects, you're targeting three different audiences that must be a bit of a marketing nightmare isn't it it is and um as my um web designer said when i first needed to get a website she said you you're really tricky she <laughs> said because <laughs> yeah she's i can't sort of use like egyptian imagery because that's just one series and then you got this and then you got that she and so she sort of um and so we sort of designed the website with um doorways on it um on, on the main page so there's like a doorway that takes you to fantasy to romance or to children's and I really like that and so on my overall website um, I do sort of have dedicated pages to each um, in it here and that sort of tries to and I've also sort of set up other websites that are just like um, all the children's it focuses on just the children's stuff and then I've got um, all the fantasy which is just the fantasy stuff um, and um, Hieroglyph ended up with its own dedicated <laughs> website and Tales Will too. So, yeah, very much trying to target so that the readers get targeted to um, the books that they'd only be interested in. I do like your website, actually. I, I think you've got a tremendous amount of interest on there. Um, something I, I, I struggle with, really, is, you know, what do you put on a website? But you, you really have got a lot on there. And one of the things I notice is that you do um, you teach workshops as part of your writing work your entrepreneurship um, tell me about that what what do you offer and what do you do and who do you teach oh it's I, I love i love the tutoring side i love um when i get together with a group of writers uh, i teach things like um it, it's more about these days it's more on the self-publishing side um and telling them about ebooks and um you know create space um but it's also about the author platform is probably the other biggest one is um a lot of them are quite um, newbie writers, or they might have been writing for a long time. They're new to self-publishing, I should say. Um, they've got a book, or they've got lots of books, and they've got no idea how to get them out into the world. Um, and so that's mainly, mainly the sort of bookshops I do. Or I do talks. Um, I do talks quite often. People just want me to talk about um, you know, a writing journey, um, and, and that's always a lot of fun. Um, and I quite often get invited to be a keynote speaker, um, at the Picton Book Festival, um, sort of a writer's forum. And each year I sort of pretty much talk about, um, find an aspect of what I've done in the last year that's different and talk to them about that. So next year I'll probably talk to them about um, awards. Um, but, yeah, whatever they whatever they want me to talk about, yeah. And how do you find the attitude towards independent publishing? Do people say, oh, you're not a real author, you're not traditionally published? Or is there, are you seeing a growing interest in independent publishing now? Uh, I think uh, for me, uh, um, the game changer has been winning the awards. Mm. Um, um, my, uh, very supportive of my local newspaper. Um, they even got me into the Auckland Herald. Wow. <laughs> Um, and so um, now in my hometown, I'm seen as, as you know, that they, they wouldn't even, they don't care. It's I'm an established award-winning author and, and they couldn't be more supportive, um, the whole community. Everywhere I go, um, people I know and people even I don't know come up and, and congratulate me. Um, and it's just, you know, congratulate about my books and they're all just so excited to have, uh, you know, someone from Hokitika, um, um being recognised out in the big wide world. 
And, and that's lovely, isn't it? Because you've been doing this for a while. You must have seen an attitude change in, in the industry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's, there's still, um, it has changed completely. Like I said, it used to be like the, the vanity pressing. Um, and there's still, you still see a bit of that, you know, you still see some um, books out there that have, um, <laughs> you know, look like the homemade. Um, yeah. And, and uh, but I think people are getting more and more aware that, that that's fine if you just want to print a few copies for yourself. But if you want to actually put your book out there, um, you know, it needs to um, needs to stack up with the others. Um, probably the hardest part is bookshops, um, um, is, is to get your book on a shelf. Um, but I find it's actually other places besides bookshops. Um, I've been offered um, um, places in, um, <laughs> like in a, in a window shop. <laughs> oh, yes. A, a local business when they found out, like, oh, you can put your books on it. Shelf and we'll sell them for you. <laughs> Brilliant, that's nice. Well, I haven't done it, but it was nice to have the offer. I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll give them some bookmarks. Might be a better idea. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and sort of um, like gift shops and places like that. Quite often, um, more of those niche sort of places um, would be quite happy to stock books rather than the traditional bookshops. And then also, um, in terms of um, networking with other authors, how important do you think that is for uh, a self-published author? Is is it important to be part of something bigger, or, or do you, is, you know do you just lock yourself away and, and and beaver away and produce the books? Oh no, you, you need to you need to have the writing community. Um, I mean, I've been pretty blessed. Um, I sort of picked a, a, a few and, and and sort of got really involved. Um, there's one that's called um, Road Reviews Book Club. Um, and they've been just absolutely brilliant. Um, if I have a promotion and I put their hashtag out next minute, there's the tweeting about it, Facebooking it all over the place, you know. Um, they do a lot of cross-promotion, um, and it might be on book trailers or on or a book blog or something like that. Um, and, and I find, um, you know, you can all sort of help each other um, with, um, you know, improving your writing as well. Um, but, yeah, that... You've got to be involved with other authors. I don't think you can, you know, can be an island. Um, you need you need the input. You sound like you're you're fairly across all the elements of the business. Are, are there any things that you particularly find that you struggle with as an independent author? I suppose I suppose the marketing side would be, you know, I I'd rather just be writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wouldn't we all? Yes. Uh, you know, and I'm not I'm not particularly tech savvy. Um, you know, so what I do is I, I pick out things, um, you know, but as having said that, I mean, I've managed to tackle and, and um, use MailChimp um, over the last couple of months from, from never having used it before. So I usually get something and, I, and then I have a look, have a play, see how far I can get, and then a lot of stuff I'll decide, um, you know, is this something um, I think I could do or is this something I need to outsource? Um, so, like, um, I, originally I made my own book trailers and they were just abysmal, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Can we find them anywhere, um, Wendy? Are they still online or oh, are they hidden? Oh, I, 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 they probably come back and haunt me one day. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so now, you know, obviously I will get professionals to do that now and, and get a lovely polished um, process, yeah, yeah, beautiful product, um, yeah. So some stuff you just, yeah. It's why spend all that time and energy when, when other people can do it so much better and so much easier. So what does the what does 2017 look like for you? What have you got 
planned at the moment? What do you hope to have achieved by the end of this year? Well, 2017 is going to be a huge writing year for me. Um, I'm actually, at the end of January, um, going to be back to writing full-time from I'm having so... <laughs> So I'll have um, more time up my sleeve. Um, I'm going to release Tales and uh, Fairy Wings um, early in the year. I'm also going to go and research um, its working title Relic, which is the follow-up to Hieroglyph. So I need to go to Fiordland, um, and so and I need to actually work all the logistics out um, for TC's Sex Adventure. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, I also need to finish um, Pyramidium, which is the third story in the Windflower series. And then next on my list that I want to get to is the follow-up to Lodestone. And I'll be pretty much um, hard-pressed mm. <laughs> to put all that into a year. But that, that's my game plan. Um, so I'm not going to start any, like I said, I won't be starting any new series. I'll be um, consolidating and, and following on. You've made me exhausted just listening to that list. Now, Wendy. So, <laughs> there's a lot in that. Oh, I've also got other side projects as well because I have yet to do um, put any of the books into audio or translations, and that's also on my list of things to do this year. Oh, right. How are you going to go about that then? Have you got a, have you got a, a game plan, or are you going to figure it out as you go along? Oh, I've just a very loose game plan. Um, the, the audio um, through, I think it's. Is it ACX on mm-hmm. Amazon or, um, yeah, I'm just going to, yeah, I've done some rough research. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably start with the, um, so maybe with a couple of the books and um, maybe not all of them and see how we go. It's been really interesting talking to you now. You're, you're all over on the web. You're on Smashwords, you're online, you're on Goodreads. <laughs> Can you just give us some pointers as to where to find out more about you online, Wendy? Uh, probably the best bit place is to, is to go to my main website, which is um, www.wendyjscott.com. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Wendy Jane with a Y Scott. Um, Author Central on Amazon. The Wendy Scott has, has probably got the summary of all my books and, and take you off to all my other social media links. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.